The local church is a collection of people who are being transformed by Jesus, who live in a community purposefully to model and proclaim Jesus. Scripture tells us to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. Every story is unique. Each person is an individual who has met Jesus. All of us have strengths and weaknesses. Together, we are the church, and these are our stories. Welcome to Generations Church Podcast. I'm Jeff Luddington. We are in our Stories of Faith series, telling the stories of the lives and how Jesus has encountered them inside Generations Church. Today, I have Alex Valdez. He is my assistant, which is a code word for manservant. Yeah. He is a worship leader. He leads youth. He's, he's a jack of all. He's like a Swiss army knife in ministry. Alex, welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. That big intro and I got a high. Yeah. Well, I'm a dull knife. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. Okay. So our focus in the Stories of Faith series are really to hear how, in a variety of ways, Jesus encounters a life. And so Alex... Um, I know your story uh, from the past, but I got to hear even new things this morning as we prepared. Mm -hmm. Take me back to your childhood and how faith enters into your story. Yeah, so um, it starts, um, honestly, right from the beginning. Uh, when my mom and my dad, when they first met, um, they were broken. And um, when they met, they, they loved the same things um, in their brokenness. And that led to um, a home life uh, that was just, uh, <laughs> to use that word a third time, it was broken. All right. <laughs> Explain that. So I grew up in a broken home. That means divorce. You grow up in a broken home. That, right. What does that mean to you? So describe the, the setting of brokenness. That's a word you've, like you said, repeated three times and now to match you broken. Okay, there we go. Yeah. So explain that to me. Yeah. So um, my mother and my father, they struggled, they struggled through addictions. Okay. Um, with, uh, especially uh, my father had a, a big hold on him. And um, it led us to a life where we originally started out here in California with nothing, not even a home or, or not even an apartment. We were going from hotel to motel. Um, living a, a life like that to eventually getting even outside of California uh, to a place that's pretty remote, um, uh, which was Mississippi. Um, Ooh, that is pretty that remote. Is, that's <laughs> broken. That is no. All right. So you go to Mississippi. Yeah. So this, you're a child in Mississippi. Tell me about your childhood. Yeah. Uh, childhood in Mississippi started off um, there. It was broken in the sense that my father was left incarcerated here in California. Mm. Uh, my mom was single uh, with me and my brother caring for us in Mississippi. We lived in a trailer park. Things were actually pretty good there uh, for a while. Um, my mom understood uh, and had her priorities straight in the sense that she was a single mom doing it alone now. And okay. she cared for me and my brother well. Um, and so we, would you say like, sorry, I didn't mean to talk no. over you, like kind of stereotypical trailer, like you see like trailer life, like that's not a life of plenty. That's a no. life of poverty. Yeah. It was, it was a life of little. And then, uh, uh after a couple of years, uh, going through, uh, elementary and middle school, my father entered back into the, the story. Um, and that was great for a year. Uh, we actually leveled up. We got a home um, and we had the family back. Did he back. come back to being with your mom? 
and you went back with okay. being with my mom, being back to being our dad, um, and it, life was good. Um, but unfortunately, the addictions came back. And uh, okay. one day, my father came back home with a six-pack, and uh, within five minutes, down to the whole thing. And uh, unbeknownst to us, had another one right, ready, ready to, to go. And um, at that point, we, we had just moved into this home and uh, started off pretty poorly. Um, he would go out to the front yelling at neighbors for no reason, just profanities and being obscene. Um, the neighborhood immediately didn't like us. Me and my brother had a hard time making friends um, in that neighborhood for that reason. Um, and then, unfortunately, it didn't stop there with just my dad being loud. Um, it eventually, throughout the years, it evolved or devolved into um, physical abuse, emotional abuse with me, my brother, and my mom. Mm. Um, the house started to uh, deprecate. Um, we had uh, repossession after repossession with vehicles. We had two dogs that we couldn't take care of. So the house quickly became infested with things like fleas. There was you know, dog poop and things like that around the home. Mm. Um, and, uh, <laughs> that on top of all else, Mississippi is hot, it's humid and the AC went out. And so it was so hot, stinky dog poop in the summer. It was bad. That is yeah. not good. And that was our life. And, um, we, me and my brother grew up thinking that was, that was normal. Um, we didn't actually recognize that it wasn't normal until older in our lives where we started realizing, you know, our friend's house didn't look like this. Okay. So how does that, so that's. Listen, I don't, everybody's got a background. Their story is their story, right? But that's mm-hmm. not, it's not an optimal family setting, no. right? So it's a, it's a bumpy start, even, even when you don't know what you don't know. So you're not, you don't know that not everybody lives like this and mm-hmm. you start venturing out and you're like, okay, so not everybody has what I'm seeing at home and I don't like what I'm seeing at home. So how's that, how does that contribute to getting you to the gospel yeah well it got worse before it got better um what ended up happening was you know me and my rebelliousness and and nick he was starting to grow up there uh tension started to, to build even between us as a family against our dad um and things blew up to the point where eventually we had to leave him we've attempted to leave him before multiple times and never panned out um, my dad got extremely bad one night, um, threw my mom over a counter. We had enough, called mm-hmm. the police. They, they grabbed him, and we took that opportunity while he was incarcerated uh, or in jail for uh, three nights. We packed yeah. everything we possibly could into an RV, moved, and ran away to California. Well, let me interject. So Nick's your brother, mm-hmm. right? Older or younger? Younger. Younger. So you're the older brother. He's the younger brother. And your mom, who is a part of this church, and yes. Rudy is your dad. Yep who I know, and uh, I just want to kind of shine a little glimmer of hope in here. Yes. So Rudy came to faith later, yeah. right? And so Rudy is not the same man he once was, um, but at that moment, that's who he is. So that's you is. pack up during this three-day time where he's locked up, mm-hmm. and your mom, Julia, she so she gathers up you boys, you're young, and you move back to California. Yep. It's like Jed Clampett from the Beverly Hillbillies. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Two, that's a reference before your time. All right. So you come to California, pick it up there. Yeah. Come to California, uh, excommunicated my father, which, um, like you said, that was actually the turning point for my dad, where God started his journey of really mm. pursuing my dad. And that was a transformation process. I didn't see it then. Right. Um, uh, but excommunicated, didn't want anything to do with him. Um, from there, it was everything was supposed to get much better, right? Sure. Um, but 
then my mom started healing from her traumatic um she suffered too sure. and she went through healing in a different way and she found healing in other places that weren't great so things started breaking down there relationship with her and my brother and myself started deteriorating and i just craved something new i okay. i craved healing i craved something different an escape um, so you said you said healing a couple different ways so your mom pursues yeah life in ways that don't work out. So she doesn't actually find healing, mm -hmm. right? She She's looking for it, doesn't find it. You see that. Mm -hmm. And you want to really find healing, redemption, you know, yeah. uh, restoration. You want to find a life. Um, but you don't know where to go. So how does that get you to... Um, I think it's a youth group. So how yeah. do you get there? Yeah. So I, I knew I wanted something different. I knew I wanted healing. I had no idea where to look for it. Um, and so I think I actually started looking for it in uh people and okay. specifically girls I, I looked for it uh there was a girl who went to youth group um and i took it as an opportunity of oh cool i can show this girl how cool i am at dodgeball at this youth group sure i'll go um but you what... are so amazing you dodgeball hero you <laughs> yeah All right. man well uh it didn't work out <laughs> All right. but what did work out was when i went to that youth group um i i went because of a girl but i ended up falling in love with Jesus. I ended up right. hearing about that, who Jesus was and what he'd done for us. Um, I got an understanding of, of the sin and the brokenness of the world. I understood the brokenness really well sure. um, growing up, but knowing that that wasn't a part of the plan and it wasn't meant to be that way, okay. it really got me into a place of understanding you know, my father better, understanding my mom, you know, my brother. I, I understood the world in its brokenness better and i needed that and hearing that there was a jesus and a christ who what redeemed us from that like what he did what he did on the cross on our behalf to kind of help fix things okay um that was something i could really lean into so you told me you were 14 15 or so yeah when you come to faith um shout out to cute girls who have higher moral standards than dodgeball <laughs> i like that all right but to be fair, got you to community. Uh, got yeah. you to community. Got you to a youth group, and you hear the gospel. Uh, you go for a girl. You leave with Jesus, right? Yep. And that's a good thing. Um, so I imagine, uh, just because this is pretty much always true, you didn't leave magically transformed with all the healing that you needed. But you left with the gospel, which is enough to get it started, right? Yes. I mean, like so. And when I say that, the gospel, we always say this, the gospel is not something that introduces you to your faith. The gospel does bring you to faith, but also it's the power in which you stand in your faith, and it's the only hope we have, that gospel, uh, that we will one day stand before God and reconcile, be fully reconciled and healed, to use your word, healed or restored or redeemed or whatever, before God. So I'm, when I say the gospel isn't enough. The gospel is completely sufficient. Mm -hmm. You coming to faith isn't enough to fix everything. There's more to the story. So now you're 14, 15, whatever you are, and you come to faith. How do you really get to the place where you begin to make your faith your own and see change in your life? Yeah. So yeah, like you said, it started gradually. Um, I started responding to, you know, recognizing that, okay, Jesus did this. 
what can I do to kind of show my appreciation and, and hope for, for that healing in myself? And I started walking that way, um, attempting to heal things with my mom and heal things with my brother um, as best as I possibly could. But you're right, it was gradual. Um, sure. And I, I walked that way for about, for about two years. Um, but after the two years, there was a moment where my faith became challenged. Well, let me set this up then. Okay, so you're 17 years old. Mm -hmm. You're a Christian. And you believe that at that moment, you truly were a Christian, right? You come from this broken family, broken home setting where the contributing factor was your dad, your mom and your dad, their addiction struggles, all that. But your dad kind of forced the hand, right? And so you're... On the run to California, not on the run, but you guys are, you know, you, you leave and you go to California um, and you come to faith. Now, two years into your faith, you're a young, immature in your faith and a young, immature, you're a kid still, right? You're 17 from a background that's very broken and it sets up this event. Now, tell us about that. Mm-hmm. Um, in high school, um, I made a couple of friends. I was in a bunch of different programs. I was in choir. I was in theater. And uh, I made this one particular friend. I, l- I loved this guy. Um, me and him really hit it off. Um, and uh, at 17, it was then it was it was really cool to just kind of hang out. And it was opportunities for me to escape um, my own home and my own home life, the, 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 yeah. the, the dysfunction there. Um and so every so often I would go and, and hang out and stay the night at his house. Sure. It's a lot of fun. Um, done that a couple of times. Um, well, there was one thing um, that I did notice within myself, even just hanging out with him. Um, and I noticed that, you know, he had a, he had a mom. Uh, he, had a, he had a great family. Um, him and his, uh, his mom and dad, that they were married. Um, but she was young. And she was kind of attractive. And I remember having, you know, thoughts and desires. I was just attracted to this. Sure. Um, well, I didn't think anything of it until one night um, an opportunity presented itself. Um, it was me and her alone. And um, there was opportunities to, to engage. And she made a move. Um, and I remember in that moment there was there was a fight in me Hmm. um, where nothing had happened yet. I had an opportunity to respond and I felt like in the faith, I I contributed to the Holy spirit. I felt the spirit in me saying, stop, this is wrong. Leave it, leave it, leave it alone. But, um, so here's what I'm hearing. Um, and because you've, you've shared this with me in preparation for this. So, she makes an advance towards you is what happens, yeah. right? So she invites you to massage her, touch her. She ends up kissing you. Okay. And so you're having this internal battle, we'll say, right? And if you've ever, you know, if anybody listening has ever been a 17-year-old boy, you know the battle already, right? Uh, kind of anything with a heartbeat can become attractive when you're young and immature and you're, you know, your body's going through changes and, and you know, hormonally, you're there, right? And so she's an attractive young mom and you'd felt that before, but it was just a, Hey, she's attractive, whatever. But now she's coming on to you. 
And so take me to first the battle, mm. like, okay, so you're, you're struggling in this. Tell me about that. And then how does it play out? Yeah, the struggle was I had an opportunity to respond and I hear, I hear, you know, stop, don't do this. Knock it off. Not from her. Not from her. From and I, I wouldn't even know if it was from me. I think it was from the Holy Spirit. If I had okay. attribute to anything, it was the Holy Spirit. Um, and it was revealing all these things. You know, there's tons of red flags. Sure. One, obviously, the age difference. But this is a married woman. Uh, my best friend is in the house someplace. You right. know, there's this isn't good. And her husband's not there, evidently. Yeah, her husband's home, but asleep. Oh, okay. Like, this is this is later in the in the night. Um, and uh, but then I heard. I heard another voice and it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Uh, it was just this battle. And, and the things that it said were things like, you know, you wanted this. You, th- you thought of this. This was the desire. Um, I also heard things like, when will you ever get another opportunity like this again? Like mm. there was that like opportunistic piece of it okay. of man, who else gets this? And uh, that was a battle that, after considering, I lost. Okay. I remember having that, and I just, um, I responded. Um, and nothing happened immediately that at that moment. Um, instead, um, it just kind of grew and, and, and festered, and then there was an opportunity later that night uh, to re-engage this. And um, I did. We found our, uh, she went into uh, the garage, and, um, there was an opportunity where I followed her in, and um, at this point, my heart was committed sure. to to do this. Um, and um, I think God still, in His grace and in His love, um, He He intervened. Okay, so tell me about that. How did how did so you're having this battle and you lose the battle internally? You're going to go pursue this, but you've been hearing the voice of the Spirit. You kind of shut that down, but you still believe God intervened. So how did God intervene there? Yeah. So uh, we were uh, we, we met each other in the room, and uh, we'd started, just started, like, reengaging um, right. uh, uh, the advances. Um, and it was about a minute and a half in. Nothing crazy happened just yet. Uh, but we were getting there when all of a sudden there's this great big bang. Um, and we both look up and there's the husband who have caught us. It's very clear what we were intending on doing. So legitimately caught you in the act early in the act. Early, right? yeah. Like like clothes were still on. There was nothing crazy. But it was clear what That's was good. happening. This is a totally PG rated podcast. So I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But uh, yeah. So nothing... He caught us uh, in what we were doing, and it was clear what we were doing. And that was the most terrifying moment for me, um, for obvious reasons. He uh, he told me to get out. I did, and uh, I had to walk through that immediately. Um, The friend came out. I had to confess to the friend what had transpired. I, I I immediately broke him and his heart, as as well as immediately seeing the pain on on the husband's face. Um, but then that wasn't even the end of the story. I found myself later having to confess, you know, because I had to get picked up. I was still 17. I didn't drive. 
So I had to make a phone call to explain the circumstances of wow. where I'm at now to my family. Um, and it was just a low, low, low point for me um, in even in my faith. Sure. Um, and so fast forward the day after, um, in the next couple of months, um, I really, I focused on that. I focused on my sin. I focused on the brokenness in me. I focused on, I, I really internalized everything and I, I became a hermit for a long time. And um, I realized something. I realized up to this point, the sin that I dealt with and the brokenness that I was I was in it was all, in, in my eyes, it was all everyone else's sin. It was the sin of my father who led to a broken family with me and my mom. And then it was the choices that my mom had made and my brother had made, which led sure. to the circumstances of me being in a broken home and in the broken circumstances that I was. It was everyone else's things. But that night and that event, it was no longer everyone else's sin. It was mine. Mm. It was what I did to break a home. It was what I did to ruin relationships. It wasn't the sins of my father anymore. Hmm. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing this. I'm kind of sensing this. There's, um, and again, we feel comfortable identifying Rudy. I know him. I think he would be cool with all this and he's changed too, but we start with really kind of the sin of the father, right? And how Rudy breaks up a family and even your mom, I mean, her sin, her addiction, her things contribute to this. And so there's first what the father does, then there's kind of what the mom does, and, and she's pursuing things that, you know, aren't helpful, aren't, aren't actually bringing healing to the family. And, and then you come to faith, and then you find yourself ruining a family. And if I understand this correctly, like that becomes the end of that marriage and that home, yeah. right? And so not only do you have to confess it to the friend and your family because you need to ride home. I mean, there's all that, but you're, recon- you're recognizing inside, hey, I've become the very thing that I, you know, that I hated, you know, that I, I found so problematic in my story. Yeah. So how does the gospel re-engage you here? Now, here's what I'm asking. If you're listening to this podcast, um, we talk about the gospel not just being the thing that introduces us to Jesus, to God, that it doesn't just initiate a relationship, but actually it's the very power that we stand in daily, and it's the very hope we have that all will work out. And 1 Corinthians 15 says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, this is Paul writing to the church, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved. It's those three phrases. The gospel I preached you, which you received, in which you stand and by which you are being saved. He says, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So if you truly believed and responded to the gospel, there's the gospel you heard and received. There's the gospel in which you stand and the gospel in which you are being saved. So kind of a past, present, and ongoing. So the gospel reengages you not from a past perspective, but a present and ongoing transformation. And so how does, how do you return? I know because you said you isolate for a bit. How do you re-engage the gospel? And how do you leave this story changed? Yeah. Well, I definitely left with a better sense of myself. 
um, how this wasn't just sin that we've inherited or like the brokenness of this world, but I've now contributed to it and, I, and I've recognized the junk in me. And so coming to terms with that was slow and gradual. I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't talk about it. Um, I couldn't accept forgiveness, um, not even later on down the road. Um, I couldn't forgive myself. Hmm. Um, and I uh, eventually found myself back into a regular rhythm, and I found myself back in the youth group again. Okay. But I was hearing the same things, but now it became, I heard it differently. It became personal. It was no longer a Jesus Christ who lived and died for the brokenness of the world, but now it was a Jesus who lived and died for me. Right, it became very personal in that moment. Yeah. Okay. And um, with that, all the promise of the of you know God restoring everything, um, including the world, it, it became personal for me as well. Like a, sure. just a restoring of me, and then I I I understood the value and the difference of becoming and being made a new person. Okay. I'm not defined by those mistakes anymore, um, nor am I a slave to them. Like this isn't something that I uh, that I'm stuck with. You're not doomed to repeat this over and over again. Right. As a matter of fact, I'm empowered through Christ to defeat it once and for all. Good. And so um, that's how I started living my life different. And when I understood that finally, after being in community with the youth group and 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 and, and really understanding the implications, honestly, of Jesus. Um, it led me to live, um, understand a transformed life. It, it led me to understand um, what it means to be made new. And it lent itself for me to be able to forgive myself and to forgive my father mm. and to forgive my mom and recognize that it's not just a turning a blind eye, but when they found Jesus and when they turned to those things, they are made new the same way that I was made new. Yeah. And just as if I'm able to forgive myself of the the transgressions and the things that I've done, um, I can forgive them. I can forgive them too, just as Jesus has forgiven me. Right. I can forgive them. And if Christ has overcome these things in you, He can overcome these things in Rudy. Right. I mean, like He can overcome them in your dad. And so, there is a a gospel kind of um, kind of leveling of the playing field both in sin and in redemption, right? So both on the, hey, God can overcome this, but also he can forgive and I can forgive and I don't have to harbor this. So we're going to fast forward a bit. And so, I mean, you've been a youth this whole time and this Mm -hmm. is 10, 12 years ago. um, And now you're married to Renee. You are on, you know, full-time on staff at a church with a variety of things that you do how does this play out today alex the grown man Mm -hmm. well circumstances are wildly different now um i i live in a uh a a a nice home with with family um i've met a beautiful wife her name's renee um shout out if you're listening uh love you (laughs) (laughs) um and on top of that um relationships with uh, my mom have been killed and my father's been killed. Uh, my, my father's been um, received that same transformation of Jesus through the gospel uh, in his life. Um, he's free of his addictions and he's God's restored that relationship. Yeah. A father that I had once excommunicated 
um, is now back in my life in full force. He was in my wedding with yeah. Renee and I got to champion him as my dad to my wife. Right. Um, and so God's restored those areas. Uh, and my brother, um, he's got his own family. I mean, he's, uh, he's on that journey as well, um, spiritually. Um, and then uh, where it's really impacted my life, honestly, is I understand the brokenness in me. And I, I, I understand how I can fall short. I understand how other people can fall short. But I also understand that Christ in me has made me a new creation. And I have the opportunity to turn away and, 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 to, and to not be defined by those things. I have the, the ability to overcome those things just as God has, right? So now I'm in a place where in the beginning of my relationship, even with Renee, before we, we've been married, when we first met each other, um, it's a huge value to me for people to know that. Mm-hmm. Know that um, I, I'm living a new transformed life. I'm living a life um, full of healing, but that's not because of me. That's because of Christ. Um, but it's also because I know that um, I have the capacity to fall at any point. Um, and I let people know that um, where... Don't don't count on me necessarily um, to to lead or to um, to fix or to solve because I am still human and I am still broken and I I do mess up I make stupid decisions and I do cause hurt as much as I love and as much as I never want to cause hurt I will because of sure. the brokenness in me um, but there's a God who loves so much bigger, so much better and in a perfect way that I never could. And in those areas where I do fall short in those areas that I do fail, uh, which they will happen. I never on purpose, or at least I hope not on purpose. <laughs> um, God is so much bigger and better than that. There's a, there's yeah. a God who's even bigger and better than what anything that I can do. So there is this, um, it's the same letter Paul writes to the church in Corinth. It's first Corinthians 11. Uh, where Paul tells the church, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ, right? Or be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so he's saying, listen, I'm imitating Jesus. I am I am uh, trying my best to copy what Jesus would do mm-hmm. uh, because what Jesus is doing is right. And so you can be imitators of me as I am an imitator of Christ. And so there's this level of both ability to lead and humility of brokenness and flaw, right? And I'm, I'm, I hear that in you, that there is a, um, come follow me to Jesus, I do have the answer. I got all the answers. They're all wrapped up in Jesus, right? And I, I don't mean <laughs> I have all the answers, like, right. you know, an arrogant thing. But there's a clarity of, hey, I'm, I'm flawed too. And so if someone is listening, and uh, I know you're not that young, but I think you resonate with young people in a sense of they find themselves in your story. You're maybe a step ahead of them. And, but they, they have this sense of like, okay, how do I lead others when I'm flawed or, you know, when I don't have, you know, decades of following Jesus behind me, how do I do that? How do I live out the be imitators of me as I am of Christ? Well, I'm still, on the journey of maturity. Mm. So how, what would you say if someone hears that in your story and they want to lead others, maybe peers, right? Maybe it's just, you know, their, their buddy, same age or whatever. How can they live that out? Yeah. 
I think part of it is that we need each other, right? Um, because as I follow and imitate Christ, um, I mean, ultimately, that is a standard that we can't fulfill on our own. Um, we <laughs> uh, Jesus lived a sinless life, and um, yeah. we're not sinless yet, although we're called that. Um, yeah, it's a it's a good question. I feel as though we need each other for those moments where we follow Christ together. We're imitating Christ together, and when one of us falls or stumbles, the other one's there to help pick yeah. up, lead back up. Yeah, absolutely, and I I think that is. That's one of the greater contributions of the community and the church. Uh, like we were talking mm. about, uh, whenever this podcast airs, um, it was the Memorial Day message on Sunday. So that for us was two days ago. Um, we're talking about bearing one another's burdens. And if you find a brother, you know, in transgression, help restore them. Those who are spiritual, restore them in, with gentleness, right? Mm-hmm. And so... It was that passage at the end of Galatians that we were talking about. And there's this coming alongside one another. And um, there is a sense of both maturity and humility Mm. in the be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I'm not telling you to imitate me because I have it together. I'm telling you to imitate me because I'm imitating Christ, Mm -hmm. right? Because I am following the one who's worth following. Mm -hmm. Just a quick uh, kind of an off-roading analogy, if you will. Uh, We get a bunch of Jeeps out on the trail, and uh, sometimes because of the dust on the trail, things like that, especially if you got the top off the Jeep or whatever, right? Um, Just because you don't want to be in a dirt cloud, um, (laughs) you'll separate, you'll have a little distance. And, And really your only job is to follow the person in front of you and the person behind you follows you. And so I don't have to follow the guy all the way up front or if I'm the guy all the way up front, I don't have to make sure I can see everyone as long as someone can see someone else, right? You can see the one in front, you know where you're going. You can see the one behind you, that means they can see you. And I think that's a good analogy for the community of faith. Um, Whether it's me or you, somebody's gotta be able to see somebody in front of them pointing towards Jesus, Hmm. right? Especially in those moments where seeing Jesus is unclear or challenging for whatever reason. Uh, so we need to be the one in front of somebody, um, but we also need to be the one in f- behind somebody, right? We're following, be it Jesus or one another. Uh, but there's that sense of community necessary in it. So we just, uh, I'm gonna close with this. Uh, last weekend, again, just before that service, we did a memorial service mm-hmm. for your grandmother. Yeah. And so now your family has a, uh, multi-generational faith and so from a broken home setting just close with some hope about how faith can transform a family yeah with faith comes comes healing um, you know when I started going to the youth group and I started imitating Christ to the best of my ability um, my life started changing um, even when I was impacted with the sin of my own life. You know, um, I, I turned to and found, found Christ and found hope in Christ. And that hope is contagious. Mm. Um, and that hope, you know, caught fire to my mom. 
um, which then caught fire to the rest of the house. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I went to church and again, it's not anything that I did. Rather, it was what Christ was already doing. Um, and what that led to was it even led to my grandmother who was saved, but there was a lack of understanding. Sure. Um, but within the last couple of years, um, she really fell in love with Christ and understood who he was and what God's done. Um, and that created such an intimacy, um, in her life and, for those of you who don't know, my, my grandmother, she recently passed. Uh, she passed this last month, uh, the, the Monday before Mother's Day. Mm. Um, and it was uh, it was a great passing. Um, she won the lottery, as I like to say. <laughs> uh, she wasn't deteriorating in health. She wasn't sick. There was no signs. It was actually very sudden. Um, she just went to sleep, and God called her up, and she went. Mm. Um but there was there's a peace and a hope and a rejoicing and a joy in me and my and, and of my mother uh, because the last two years of her life she really walked with God and she even yeah. there was like a transformation in her speech and in her behavior and her attitude um, and because of that witness um, there is no room for doubt I know I'm going to see her again I know that she's in good hands and she's with Jesus and it's not the hallmark saying right. that you know oh you know. She's in a better place now. No, she really is. Mm. And I can say that with a hope and a clarity because her life was a witness to that. And I'm able to say that also because um, it, it, it all stemmed from what God did in me, right. which then lit the way for, for my mom and other members of the family, including her. Well, I'm going to close this up with this. And this is a a take from the outside, right? Not being in... I mean, I'm a part of your story, but I'm not in your story. I didn't grow up with you. I wasn't around for a lot of it. You know, I've been privileged to see the last few years and uh, privileged to be a part of your grandmother's for the last two years. Um, and so through you, I see generations of faith. Through hmm. you and Renee, so we have Renee's mom in church with her all the time, yeah. you and your wife, you and your mom and your grandmother until her passing, right? And so we see this kind of, going outward to the family. So I want to I want to close up today and if you're listening I want you to just hear this. So from a broken home in the past, right? To really being and and I'm going to say this strongly like from a wrecked home to kind of a home wrecker like you you yeah. uh, you know and I hate yeah. to pour salt on the wound, but I mean like to the guy who was equally sinful in that way to somebody who became a home restorer and yeah. a home healer right and, and and i'm not giving that credit to you right when it's it's clearly christ in you but you were that willing participant follower of jesus who was willing to say follow me as i follow christ and to that end we have now families generations of faith trickling out into two families your biological family and your in-laws and so um alex man i love you i am so glad you're here if you're listening at home, this is why we do this. Stories of faith resonate in different ways. Jesus intersects lives in such a variety of ways that as we tell these stories, we find both the distinctions and the differences and the nuance, but we also find the commonalities. And so if you're listening, you think this would resonate with somebody else, we would encourage you to share that with them. Subscribe and like wherever you get your podcast and stay tuned. Every week we have a new story of faith. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this story about how Jesus made a difference. Generations Church is filled with ordinary people who met an extraordinary Savior. Subscribe so you don't miss a single story. Would you stop and share this with one friend today? The story of Jesus is most easily seen in the lives of people who 